When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We know that stacking is a huge, hugely important factor in fantasy football in 2023, but especially in best ball with these huge, top-heavy, massive best ball tournaments, millions and millions of dollars up for grabs. We know we need to nail our stacks. So tonight, Monday Night Best Ball, Eric Beinfor, Rob Coakley, we're going to tell you our favorite stacks. Maybe you can share some of yours, and we're also going to dive into a little bit of the teams maybe we're not stacking whether they're overpriced or not very excited about them this year. Top Stacks, Spike Week, Monday Night Best Ball. Let's do it. Three, two, one. So for behind the scenes, I'm, I'm sitting here. I, my my finger is on the trigger to click lot to, to go live and you can probably you'll probably start to hear the dogs all, already and they're they're running around the basement like chasing each other and playing like i'm getting ready to go to go live so uh you guys will probably get a little glimpse into the chaos that is uh 6 p.m uh, central time in the bind household but uh see i i sent gotham to daycare today so my situation is going to be that for the rest <laughs> of the show. See, it is, it's an interesting time right now for us. I know everybody, this is like a, a small pet peeve, but I still do it myself. I'm a total hypocrite about it, but like the weather conversation, you know, like you're trying to small talk with somebody you're like, how about that weather? You know, <laughs> like everybody always does that. Like, Oh man, can you believe this weather? It's like, why is that the intro to every conversation with a ran, you know, uh, with a with a random person? But the Midwest is so weird, and obviously, you know, these are hus- just like uh, you know Gotham similar breeds are Husky German Shepherds, and so they have tons of energy, but they also can't handle the like crazy humidity and heat very well. Mm-hmm. And we went from like forty five a week ago and like cold to it was almost ninety yesterday. And I believe the humidity topped out like at like 95% or something. Like I could barely handle it and I'm not covered in, you know, uh, dog fur and only sweating through my nose. Right. And so we're trying to balance. We've been doing like evening walks and, and all that with them. So we're figuring out a new schedule to make sure that they're not like running laps and jumping over my head during these shows at, uh, at 6 PM or 7 PM Eastern. But uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited for this one. I also thought it was important to talk about the stacks a little bit earlier in the summer. We can always revisit those things, right? It's ADP moves. Maybe, you know, you get a DeAndre Hopkins trade or just things, things shake up, but like building in the stacks, even at this point in the off season is like super duper important. And I think uh, there was actually some fun kind of uh, conversation in the Discord, which, of course, as always, there's a link to the free Spike Week Discord in the description. The drafting your stacks now, there can be uh, what I would call outsized gains on certain stacks now. 
if you get out ahead of an offense that maybe the market isn't quite hip to yet, I've got one or two that I'm particularly fond of. Um, not necessarily like the Seahawks of last year where like everybody just hated the Seahawks all year, you know, mm -hmm. but at this point in May, we might be able to have some offenses that pick up some steam over the course of the summer, get more, whether it's the quarterbacks or, or skill position players getting more expensive and getting in now at these depressed prices, allow you to get them with some other, you know, higher upside options. And so um, I think it'd be a fun conversation, but also it's like pretty important to, like once you start diving in, you better also have some stacks, you know, value stacks or elite or, or expensive stacks too, that, you know, you really want to build in like right away in your drafts there the, to that point too, it's going to be interesting to watch the model update throughout the summer as ADP shifts, as we see some more certainty in a few different things. Uh, one of the ones that jumps off the top of my head that I don't plan to talk about, but just in relative to this conversation right now is the Lamar stacks, because like, all three guys are bing, bing, bing right next to each other right now. Right. So how that starts to shake out and transform and you start to see how the double stacks for Lamar change throughout the off season could be interesting as uh, we see Zay flowers, take control of that receiving corpse. And then you get Rashad Bateman and then, you know, Odell gets wheelbarrowed out onto the field every seven <laughs> plays or something like that. That is actually a really good point. The Ravens are a good one. Uh, I would call actually Seattle is a is a good one uh, in that lens in that sometimes we can get discounts on stacks, even though we know that that offense looks like, I mean, Lamar is awesome and MVP candidate, obviously a really good pick quarterback pick in a vacuum he's he's moved past burrow right he's going in the third round now he's the qb4 basically which i think he should be um so i think that's pretty efficient by the market however outside of mark andrews and we saw this with the chiefs literally all year last year right until kind of sky and you know sky separated mbs separated a little bit we're getting it with the chiefs a bit right now but i think the seahawks and the ravens are two good examples that just because you don't know what to do with kind of how the target share is going to work out amongst those wide receivers, sometimes it ends up the the stack, like collective stack cost is depressed, even though we're excited about that offense. Normally you would have a depressed cost or you would think you would have a depressed cost because you're like, mm, you know, like the Patriots this year, you're like, I don't like it. I don't like the, I don't like the Patriots. I don't like their offense, whatever, which is fine. But when you get a depressed cost, like the Ravens, there's like nothing but, positive vibes about the about the Ravens Todd Munkin in town right Lamar's obviously a little hyperbole talking about throwing for 6,000 yards he's going to pass he's obviously locked into a contract this is the most weapons Lamar has ever had and the Ravens have ever had on offense say whatever you want about Odell or Zay Flowers but Bateman um, Andrews Dobbins back healthy still you know still got Gus Edwards it's a really talented offense and the Seahawks on this the same thing we know DK Metcalf is good we know Tyler Lockett is good. We're pretty damn sure that Jackson Smith and Jigba is good. They got two running backs. They got Noah Fant. It's a really talented offense, and yet solely because we don't really know, how, right, is it Metcalf? Is it Lockett? Is it JSN? It, whatever. Is it Bateman? Is it Odell? Is it Flowers? We don't know, so we get discounts on that, and I think those are really advent. Those are actually advantageous situations because we can acknowledge the fact that we don't really know. I have a pretty firm stance on the Ravens specifically, but not necessarily the Seahawks. And that all that really leads to is like 
small miss, big win type type stacks, and those are the ones I want to target. Yeah, and I just want to stay on the Ravens since we're already talking about it. And I'm just kind of looking at Lamar double stacks right now and what we're modeling and projecting ownership for them. Do you want to guess what a Lamar Zay Flowers Bateman double stack is projected for ownership right now? See, it should be. I'm going to get this way wrong because it should be high <laughs> because it's so easy. It's, it, you can get it whenever you want, basically. But I'm going to say like 4%. It's at 2%. It's actually the <laughs> lowest. It's actually the lowest on the list um, tied with some other ones. But like Bateman, J.K. Dobbins is 3%. Odell, Gus Edwards is probably getting drafted at a higher clip than Zay <laughs> and Rashad Bateman for a double stack for Lamar. And the point of this is it goes back to them being back to back to back because nobody wants to reach for a Raven wide receiver, right? You want them to fall to you where they're supposed to. But Maybe at some points, and I'm not saying do this every time you draft Lamar, but maybe one or two times you tap Zay Flowers, you know, a little early and then just get Bateman on the comeback as as your second to have a Lamar double with the wide receivers because it is unique. Do they both go off every week? We don't know that's going to happen with Lamar based on, you know, previous performance. Mark Andrews is there. Isaiah likely could be getting some catches. But you're getting two outs to Lamar Jackson right there, especially in the playoffs. So I do kind of like maybe taking that Zay Flowers or Sean Bateman double stack for now. But you also might get it at a better cost ADP-wise later in drafts. So I think that's what other people are going to be doing as well. It's also that one's also really, really interesting. The Ravens, because I think there's some anchoring to old Ravens thought process. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I people are, I think, will always till the end of Lamar's career hold things against his pass catchers that maybe they shouldn't. Like, he's actually a lot better passer than, and in terms of accuracy and certainly upside with down the field passing, because sometimes when he misses, it looks bad. And of course, because when he first started in the league, it was not pretty. <laughs> as a passer and he's such an electric runner that people and obviously and they didn't used to throw a lot now who knows they're talking a big game about how much more they're they're going to throw that remains to be seen but like people that doesn't mean like hollywood was an absolute smash in this offense uh in a very similar role to what we might see zay flowers or rashad bateman in obviously we know what mark andrews can do and we know what likely can do if mark andrews isn't out there there's just like nothing but upside in these types of situations. And this isn't one where sometimes we get this too, right? In stacks. I mean, shout out sky Moore, where we elevate a maybe good prospect, decent draft capital, right? Second round, but he's attached to Mahomes, And I know he was a little bit of a bit, right? Our friends at ship chasing really liked him and that pushed some things up, but these are first round pick wide receivers, say flowers and Rashad Bateman specifically. And like, that's a thing we want to bet on, like, period. Ignore the Ravens, ignore stacking, ignore all of that. Like, those are the types of players you want to bet on and just say, look, this is a really talented player with a ton of draft capital. He's obviously going to play. He's obviously talented. Uh, uh, I think of it like, remember Kadarius Tony actually, who I'm sure we'll probably talk about. Kadarius Tony as a rookie, people were like, mm. and I think people feel a little bit like about that with Zay. They're like, hmm. He's fine. And then he lands in a spot where you're like, eh, you know, don't love it and don't know how many targets he's going to get with the other guys there. And that's how like Tony was. It was like people were like, oh, my God, Tony was a first round pick. I don't love him. I don't know how much they're going to pass. I don't know, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing you know, Tony gets out there and you're like, oh, yeah, 
<laughs> okay. He was a first round pick, pretty good football player. Like, you know, and so uh, there's just all these different factors that play into it. I think the Ravens are a really good example of just some things we can take advantage of. And that's part of the conversation specifically with some of the, the stacks that I'll bring up today where it's like, I, it isn't just about, I love this offense. And I think this offense is going to be super high scoring because everybody loves the Eagles. Everybody loves the bills. Everybody loves the chiefs. That's not like gaining you much. Um, there are things you can gain within those offenses, but generally speaking, everybody knows, right. That those are going to be good offenses. The Bengals, of course, but when you get into these other stacks where they have so much of a chance to, to outperform their costs, that's where I really think you can make, make a, a lot of hay in this thing. I think of, um, not as much because they were a little bit more expensive, but still the sentiment on, say, the Dolphins last year, right? You remember all summer was like Tua, Tua highlights on Twitter of him throwing, you know, <laughs> under throwing Tyreek by 30 yards or throwing a duck and everybody talking shit about Tua. And then it makes Waddle go, you know, in the fourth round and Tyreek go in the end of the second round. Now look where those guys are going. Right. And so even though mm -hmm. they were expensive, there was a lot of room for them to to move up. And it was solely because the market was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about this to a guy. And so I just want to find those spots where I can just like really, really gain on the field as opposed to like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody, uh, uh, maybe the Raiders. <laughs> Shout out to our boy B. Kurt. We did the discord draft together earlier today. I know he's on Jimmy G, but it's like is there really a scenario in which the Raiders like blow their costs out of the water? Like, I, I guess maybe like I could certainly be wrong, but like, I don't see it across the board where the Raiders just solely outperform. So they're just never going to be a core stack for me. Um, but there's some other teams I think that would fit that bill. Yeah. And I just want to point out that when we talk about stacks, I'm going to be referencing unless otherwise specified the DraftKings $10 tournament, what we're projecting ownerships for on that one. So unless I specify underdog or something like that, I'm going to be specifically looking at the DK stuff. And then really quickly, uh, as we start to get into this, obviously Rob and I will be throwing out some of our favorite stacks. We're going to be looking at some of the projected ownership of those stacks because I do think that is an important element in all of this, both single stacks, right, of uh, these are Lamar and Zay Flowers. What does that project to be owned as well as some double stacks, right? Lamar, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, as Rob already mentioned. But we also want to hear what you got, right? Who are your favorite stacks? Who, who is maybe somebody that we end up not mentioning as we dive into this? We'll ask, uh, we'll ask a little bit for some of you guys' takes, and then we'll also dive into some teams that maybe we don't like <laughs> as as stacks and i think sometimes that's that's viewed as oh i think that offense thinks and i tend to take it the other way it doesn't necessarily mean that i think the offense thinks it could just be a, a pricing thing last year the chargers were probably that team for me who the heck didn't like the chargers like from an overall macro offense view last year but if you wanted that stack it was your first four <laughs> it was like your first four yeah. picks of the entire draft and that's a big deal you know that's a big deal you could argue the bengal's are a smidge like that i think a little different but still those things the cost and such plays into some stacks maybe we want to be a little lighter on yeah i agree and the one we've already used on a few shows is like kelsey mahomes is ticking in around usually 41% projected ownership. So not only are you spending two first, I mean, uh, sorry, your first two picks on that stack, but so is 41% of the field. 
So you have to weigh out if that makes sense for you or not. I don't think it's particularly terrible, but I do think it's something you should probably factor in in those cases. I agree. Just some quick comments to catch up with the chat. Uh, don't give it away. Mike Sauce says uh, he's guessing McLaurin and Dotson uh, for me with the with Washington. We shall see. And then I did I did enjoy this as we were talking about the Ravens. Josh says uh, people will talk themselves into Odell. I don't know if were the Ravens one of yours because we can talk about uh, Odell if you want to for a second. They, they weren't. I just I was I just found them as like an interesting one as I was looking through some of the double stacks and how I think they're the only team that has three wide receivers that are just like boom, 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 right? So you're just kind of – so basically people set up Lamar, and then they're like in that that round, they're like, well, I need to get a pass catcher, and you're only getting one of them. So people are probably doing the Mark Andrews Lamar with yep. one of the wide receivers, but I just think not enough people are probably doing Lamar with two wide receivers – and I think it's a slight edge on your Lamar teams. And I, like I said, you don't have to do it every single time. But I don't think it's terrible to reach a little bit for Zay, come back, get Bateman, have that st- have that double stack like two or three times in either the $10 on DK or in the, uh, you know, the best ball mania the, or something. And DraftKings just launched their $3 20, 20 max tournament, which is Another just phenomenal tournament. The options that we have this year are just incredible. We obviously have a puppy out on underdog now, which is really nice. And that $3.20 max is is really, really nice. I mean, you can max a tournament that has a $600,000 prize pool for $60. 60 bucks. And it's the flattest payout structure in basically all of best ball. It is just over 8% to first place, which is like, that doesn't happen, especially on DraftKings. Like, what the hell got into DraftKings, by the way, with like these super flat payout structures? I, I'm guessing they just like saw some of the rest of the industry and were like, we're going to go the opposite. We're going to do the opposite because they can, like, they don't give a shit. If it doesn't work, what do they care? They got so much money. They don't care. But super, super flat payout structure, a little bit bigger final with 275 people, but that's still. Re- that's still totally reasonable. It's, you know, uh, two thirds of the size of Best Ball Mania final last year. So, um that's a pretty exciting tournament and that's like great for anybody you know you want to get your feet wet this summer Mm -hmm. that tournament and then drafters also has a three dollar tournament which is thirty thousand to first place there's some great options at at lower price points then i was just going to polish up the ravens i I might even try to draft that a little bit more than than like you mentioned uh it's grown on me as we've continued to talk about it they're not going to make my like total top stacks list today but uh, I just think Lamar is, is still a good pick given the the cost of all quarterbacks. He happens to go in a range where like you get past all the like, let's say, again, DK Metcalf or something um, or even a little bit before him. Right. The, that awesome group of two, three turn running backs are gone. There's like a, like Debo's the next wide receiver. And it's like. Mm. Debo just like goes there just because we don't have anybody else to like plop in there. So I don't really love anybody. You can take Andrews like at a three, four turn with him. And then even if you don't, like you said, you have three different wide receivers. What I will say, I'm not, I, I'm not pardon my French. I'm not fucking drafting Odell Beckham at pick whatever no. he's no. that's this. He might be the worst price in best ball. I think Odell might be the worst price in best ball. Could he be good? Sure. I think that the order of the three Ravens wide receivers, it's going the complete opposite wrong way. It should be Rashad Bateman, 
then Zay Flowers, and then Odell Beckham. And Odell should be going like multiple rounds after those other two guys. And I do not, I cannot figure out what's going on with that one. And so to that point, if I can get the guys who I who I legitimately have ranked ahead of of the the wide receiver one uh, by ADP, that makes the stack pretty appealing. Like there's just a lot of perks to that to that stack, and it's like the cost is great, so it's really low risk. It's high upside. I I, I do think we probably could have made we might have just made a case why the Ravens should make your top your top stacks list, even though they didn't necessarily make it for either of us. Yeah, it's just it's it's an easy one to do. To your point, Lamar when he's on the board feels like the best player available at that point. Like if you just want to take the strategy of best player available, it's yep. usually Lamar because you're going right after those, that range you talked about. And then it's so easy to stack them. Just so easy. As shout out Jeff, Jeff in the chat uh, has Lamar and what's getting ready to take the Andrew stack. And so now he is literally live drafting uh, the stack that we were just talking about. I'm going to let you go first. You nominate your first favorite top stack that you're drafting so far in best ball. So one of my favorite ones, especially if I get locked out of one of the top quarterbacks, right? Because I am drafting Mahomes, I'm drafting Jalen Hurts quite a quite a bit. But when I lose out on him, there are two quarterback stacks that I am looking to try to get, and it's because they both have low projected ownership right now. And the first one is Calvin Ridley to tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley, right? So I think even though people are excited about the Jags, they're a little hesitant to take a fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth or whatever it is currently on these two guys. Do you want to guess their current ownership projection? Just a single stack, just Lawrence to Calvin Ridley. I you see you it, it kind of lines up by ADP right so I'm trying to th- trying to think it through but obviously I'm using the context clues to assume that it yeah. that it's low so we're gonna go um, we're gonna stick with my four percent of which was my Lamar take four so it's currently five percent we're projecting okay. for Tank to be eleven percent Travis Etienne to be eleven percent so if you're telling me that Lawrence Calvin Ridley is gonna be one of the lowest done stacks now Zay Jones is at twenty seven and christian kirk's at 19 so if i can get trevor lawrence to calvin ridley at really reduced ownership and now you're telling me if it's five percent for the single stack the double stacks are going to be even lower than that right so sign me up yeah i'm doing the DraftKings one got it Uh, it. but just uh i mean how do you pass up on that stack i understand the the reservations about calvin ridley but if he's the player that he can be, he's either priced accurately or priced too low, right? Yes. So, so then I, I I really like the Lawrence to Ridley stack quite a bit. That's super. The, that's a super interesting way to put it with um with Ridley because I've really he's been someone that I really kind of struggle with this year. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't see the appeal, but it's he's just a very he, he he's definitely one of the most difficult like evaluations like i don't think that there's any real way to have a concrete idea of where he should go like we can all guess and i think the market has guessed him being the lead but he could be he could be like 
what's what's his his upside is probably like the one two turn right remember when in atlanta when he was kind of left as the as the main guy now he was the main guy and projected for crazy volume on that atlanta team and so that's partially why he went there plus he's obviously good he's he was a good wide receiver and might still be a good wide receiver but not but that we didn't really think that offense was going to be good it was like a volume play right. now he may not get that level of volume but like we know the jags offense is good it's a, it's just a fact, right? Uh, and now he could take it to new heights. So I've come, it, both of these, and both of these are in this range of the draft where I didn't, I was like, mm, you know, I don't know how I feel about a third round quarterback in general with Lamar. I don't know how I feel about fifth round Lawrence or fourth round Ridley, you know, three, four turn Ridley. But then you start to draft and you see what else is in that range. Right. And you're like, the like what's the like, why, why would I hate on them when I don't like the, any of the other players that go in that range either? Yeah. So that's that's the thing is once you get to that range, you start to feel uncomfortable. And we've talked about it in the past about like the the drafts and the, you know, advancing being one in this fourth, fifth round range. Cooper Cup a few years ago, the quarterbacks, you know, last year with Jalen Hurts. And how the fifth range is like very beneficial. And like to me, that fourth, fifth round stack right there, you get your quarterback, you're staying with wide receiver. Some of the other receivers I like in that range, their offenses are not projected to be nearly as good. Like I love me some Drake London, but if we're being real, like if you're just comparing Drake London to Calvin Ridley based on offensive performance as a whole, you're going to go with Calvin Ridley every time because right. that offense is going to be way more. And now you can talk target chairs and all that and make a case for Drake London, but just everything lines up to take Calvin Ridley in that spot and just stack them right away. And you can still take Lawrence and stack them with Christian Kirk. It's a 19% projection right now for ownership, but who cares? 19% is fine. I think 19% is fine. Like yeah. we're not hitting anything. You're saying that, one out of every five teams has the Lawrence Christian Kirk stack. So I'm more than fine having that particular stack. Right. It's not, it's not so right. It's not the Mahomes Kelsey thing. Or if anyone was watching, we did this during the Superflex tournament on underdog where like two thirds of the teams were Jefferson cousins and everybody was just taking cousins on their Jefferson teams. It's not, it's not to that level, but I do think I would prefer, like you said, the Ridley side, some good. So one uh, Mike is uh, on Ridley and likes the gamble. And it's a totally, this is a totally fair question from Josh says, maybe I'm just not seeing it, but why do I want Ridley? He hasn't played in so long. And he, he, uh, he wasn't hurt, but he's going to be, he's going to be rusty. I think that that's a totally fair evaluation, but the the flip side argument, and I'm personally not like going to go crazy overweight on, on Ridley. I know Rob's a little higher on him than myself, but the, the flip side is this level of uncertainty is kind of why he goes where he goes. Yes. Like if, if he hasn't, if he had been playing the last couple of years and had been good, um, if he had been bad, of course we would know that too. He has a very wide range of outcomes, but the, the, the high end of that range of outcomes is this dude was a late first round pick two years ago. Now, again, we don't know, but he could just be the man in a really good offense. Like I like Christian Kirk. Zay Jones was a, a gift from the best ball gods last year. The, the way this dude somehow was smashing same for Evan Ingram, but these guys are role players. They're all mm -hmm. role players. Zay Evan Ingram, like, come on, Evan Ingram 
is a, totally a role player. I know he flashed last year. Same thing with Christian Kirk, dude. Christian Kirk is a good football player, but he's a role player. He's not He's not a 30% target share. Maybe Calvin Ridley is a role player now after the time off and, and whatever, but the time off can also be like, that might extend his career. You know, we just don't know. There's just a bunch of uncertainty. And I think that the ceiling case for Ridley does make him uh, at least appealing enough to dip your toes in that, in that water, how much you want to do it is up to each individual person. But I think that the upside case is like, like CD lamb goes late first round. I really like CD lamb. I, I as a football player or whatever, but like the ceiling case of Calvin Ridley is just as good as the ceiling case of CD lamb. It's just yeah. that we have more confidence in the median outcome of, of CD lamb and the floor. And, but that, so that's why he goes three rounds later, right? That's why he goes three full rounds later or give or take. Um, so I, I, I think that he's worth a pick and however well, much of your portfolio you want to dedicate to it. And, and I would say you kind of answered the question a little bit, Josh, and there on yourself, he's not coming off a catastrophic injury, right? He's, He's been healthy the whole time. He's been training. Let's also look at what the Jags gave up to get him. They gave a hefty haul. They're going to give him the opportunity to fail, which means they're also giving him the opportunity to succeed. So there's some capital in there. There's an investment in Calvin Ridley. They are going to do what they can to get him on the field. Doesn't mean it always works out. That's We know how football is. Football is not always, it doesn't always go that smoothly in it. <laughs> so I would say that. And my other question, and this isn't specifically for Josh, but as a whole, like, are you drafting Brees Hall this year in the second round, like the end of the second round? He's coming off an ACL injury. Like, are we, why are we not more scared of that? I'm more scared of like a Brees Hall second round ACL injury than I am of Calvin Ridley coming off because he bet on the Atlanta Falcons to win a football game. Right. So it's, it's all context on how you want to sway things. I still draft Brees Hall, by the way. It's not like I'm not drafting Brees Hall here and there, but I'm a little more concerned with that than I am with, uh, with Calvin Ridley. So I'm going to piggyback on literally that Jets and Brees Hall conversation and cheat a little bit and not give one of my top stacks. And look, it's, it's my show. It's our show. I'm going to do whatever, whatever comes to my mind. But uh, we actually released a short, not too long ago that talked about the Jets. I think that one was B Kurt as well. Yeah. Uh, about the Jets. And I totally agree with him. And your, your point on Brees Hall is spot on where I actually am not currently drafting. Uh, Brees Hall, and I will start with the positives. We'll be a little bit nice to the Jets. I'm really excited for Garrett Wilson this year. Like, I really don't have a negative thing to say about Garrett Wilson. But what I will say is he feels sort of like what we talked about, to keep mentioning CeeDee Lamb. <clears throat> There's kind of this weird tier after A.J. Brown, maybe, give or take, Bijan, right? Some, somewhere in the late first. Mm -hmm. After that, you fall into this, like, do I want to take one of these running backs? Like you, you probably would say Eckler or if you like Saquon or something like that, but it's like this huge tier to me yeah. after, right. I, the 11th person. Pick. Yeah. It's like the 11th, the 11th pick. because it's Eckler, Devonte Adams usually are the 11th, 12th area. And once you hit that area, it's like, dude, what do I do? Cause this feels like the same guy for 12 picks. Yeah, exactly. And so I've actually been targeting some of the unique combinations, um, so far, especially if you're drafting in the puppy, what that's going to close quickly, right? Yeah. So we're, it's going to be a really small pocket of time. I think that's when these unique combinations in those flat tiers are really important. But on the Jets, like I really like Garrett Wilson, but we're kind of plopping him in there because like, oh, look, he was great as a rookie. And now he's got Aaron Rodgers. 
So clearly, I, I see the upside case as well. I'm very excited for him as, as a player. But you got to pay. <laughs> you really got to pay for that for to, to see if that upside case comes true. And I will pay some for, for Garrett Wilson. But what I will not be doing is paying for the Jets' overall premium as, a, as stacking up this offense. Brees Hall is coming off a, an ACL injury, as you mentioned. I know it was not as devastating of an ACL injury as, as say, Javante Williams was, but Javante Williams is going like outside the top 100 in in drafts with a similar injury. Javante got hurt earlier in the year, so he's had a little bit more time to recover. Probably doesn't mean anything, especially with a more serious injury. But Brees is coming off a very serious injury, and they have a bunch of other running backs like we're just assuming that because Brees is awesome which he is he's just going to plop right in off a major injury and dominate the touches I guess in this in this backfield and like I don't know man it maybe he's a a good bet because he'll come on later in the year but like they do still have Michael Carter they do still have Zonovan Knight who have been varying levels of of quality decent when they've been out there on the field they drafted uh, Izzy Abanacanda, yeah. who everybody's been excited about as a prospect leading up until now. That backfield is tricky. Then you get to these other guys, Alan Lazard and Corey Davis is still on the team. And, and then you have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who is what, 38, I believe turns 39 in like December or something like that. And doesn't run. Plays the, he's going to come over. He's going to bring the Aaron Rodgers offense, right? This isn't the Jets offense anymore. This is the Aaron Rodgers offense. That dude is going to run the play clock down to, down to one like he does all the time. He doesn't run. He doesn't take shots because he's he refuses to throw intercept, interceptions. And so that's just it, he the offense is going to be good, but it brings down the stack value, especially with an immobile quarterback. And then we don't really know what they're going to do, man. They Aaron Rodgers held them ransom. He uh, or held them hostage. He brought in Randall Cobb. He brought in Alan Lazard. <laughs> yeah. Like is Mercedes. I mean, I, I'm taking Lazard. Like, so I am, I am one offing Lazard here and there. It's not like I'm going out of my way. I don't even think I've have an Aaron Rodgers stack. If I do, it was like by mistake or like by self-preservation or something. But <laughs> Alan, Alan Lazard is like when you're in that range, cause that's like a real gross range of wide receivers and you're just looking to put bodies on the team yeah. and maybe you need a wide receiver. Like I'm like, all right, well at least there's a connection there. So I'll, I'll just snag Lazard here and there. And he's going to be on the field and he's yeah. a, he's a Aaron Rodgers wide receiver. So I have no problems. I'm not saying I'm not drafting any jets. I am a little squeamish about the Brees price as of right now. I've um, pulled way off on him, yeah. especially, especially with Izzy getting drafted. So it's like, I, you see the coach speak. They're like, oh, he looks great. He looks phenomenal. And then you're like, oh, so he's going to be on the field for a uh, training camp? Well, yeah. we don't think he's going to be on the camp. We're just trying to get him ready for week one. And that's when, like, the, the you know, the, the tinfoil hat comes on. All the radars are going up. There's red flags getting thrown at me. Like, all right, maybe I should have sli- swiped left on this <laughs> Tinder date because <laughs> – because it's just they're telling you they're telling you something but then when you show up for the date everything has changed and it's like well he's not gonna be ready for this this and this we drafted izzy abanacanda like mm, so i've cooled way off like not even that i was drafting him a lot but i've kind of hit the pause button on drafting Brees hall for now yeah so that's kind of where i at where, where i'm at i think 
um, most of the Jets make for perfectly reasonable, like one-off guys. I think having Jets in your portfolio is not only reasonable, but makes a lot of sense because I do believe Aaron Rodgers is going to elevate the offense and we're going to get good games from lots of these guys. But in terms of stacking and making them a priority as a stack in my portfolio, I'm not really interested. I'm not really interested. Um, the price, most of the prices, not all, most the, the prices on the guys you really want are are kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's expensive. Rodgers is not an appealing fantasy quarterback, and um, there's a lot of uncertainty in those pass catching in, in the pass catching core. And so I do like Tyler Conklin as a late. If, if we're we're you know if we're picking our favorite Jet, I think it's probably Tyler mm-hmm. Conklin, which tells you uh, everything you need to know about how I feel about the stack. If Tyler Conklin is uh is my favorite piece but let's get to uh somebody, can, can a i can i throw something at you real quick about yep. the jets and we'll get off of them so we talk about like not wanting to take rogers but i think there's a very specific build for roger stacks and i don't think it's with a premium elite qb i think the only way you can take aaron Rodgers is if you have if you're building a three qb team I literally don't think he makes any sense taking with like a Mahomes based on price and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think he has to be the second or probably the second QB on a three QB team. I don't think he, I would ever pair him with one of the elites personally. Yep. I think that makes total sense. The other thing we really want to get our hand in the dirt. This is way too much Jets talk, but if you really want to get your hand in the dirt, that's a good defense. That's like yeah. a really, really yeah. good, defense. Yeah. good defense. So like, Rodgers is going to, of course, they're going to be good on offense, but like when the Packers had really good defenses, Rodgers plays slower. They run the ball, you know? Uh, so anyway, I, I, I'm not, I'm not super into the jets. The offense that I am super into is of course, we'll just get this one out of the way. Cause everybody probably expected it. The first couple people guessed it. The Washington commanders <laughs> shout out Sam Howe. I'm going to go to war with Kareen over the summer about this whole Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett bit, but I don't even really want to talk about that that much. If you honestly prefer Jacoby Brissett over Sam Howell, that's fine. That's totally fine. I I would rather place my chips on the young guy who I think um, has real upside. Like Sam Howell is like a last round pick on on underdog and close to it on DraftKings. We don't, we're just talking about all these quarterbacks going in the second round, the third round, the fourth round. This is a guy who runs like a lot ran for nearly a thousand yards his senior year. And that's in college. You lose yardage for sacks. And he actually took a lot of sacks and he still almost ran for a thousand yards. That's kind of insane. He's a more of a physical runner than an athletic runner. This is bias. I admit it. You can't say this about all all late round prospects. And I will use this argument against myself on other prospects, but I think he was grossly underdrafted as a fifth round pick. Uh, I think that was just a, miscarriage of justice by a lot of these NFL teams. Like if the Titans had Sam Howell instead of Malik Willis, like we may not be where we're, where, where they're at today with this whole uh, situation at quarterback, they wouldn't have taken Will Levis, but I think he has the profile that we want as a, as a quarterback. And I've heard people make this case and I think it's reasonable. Like if you don't, if you want to fade Sam Howell, why couldn't Jacoby Brissett be the Geno? of this year, right? Everybody's kind of myself included written off Jacoby Brissett, but maybe he's been a little better than we give him credit for. They have a quality offensive line, really good weapons on offense. Terry McLaurin is a good wide receiver. Curtis Samuel is a good, like yeah. more of a gadget player, but like a good, yeah. I mean, you get him the ball. He's good. Jahan great Dotson, DK Joe, player. 
Yes. Yes. Showed a lot of really good. Uh, Dotson did showed a lot of promise as a rookie and they have two running backs in particular Gibson, like as kind of the, the passing down back and, and weapon. That's really good for the stack that you can include. I don't know about the tight ends very much, but it's also like free. McLaurin is the most expensive commander in the entire player pool in the fourth round. And then Dotson is the second most expensive in like the eighth or something like that. Seventh, eighth. St. Curtis Samuel is free. Antonio Gibson is free. Brian Robinson is not that expensive. And we just talked about how cheap Howell is. You combine the fact with all, all this, that's all good. There's nothing but like upside in this offense. They bring in Eric B who, which is really weird because I've heard people like not feel like that's anything to be excited about. And I kind of feel that the opposite way, not because I know B is going to be good, but like, I know that the <laughs> what they've been doing in Washington before wasn't good. Right. And sure, maybe it's just Andy Reid and Beanie is just you know uh, holding on to his pocket and and riding the wave of Andy Reid's genius for all these years. But Andy Reid swears by this dude, right? He he has been saying like it's it's egregious that he hasn't gotten the job. I believe Beanie took this job because he knows Ron Rivera is going to be gone and Beanie is going to take the head coaching job thereafter. He's going to bring at least some form of freshness to this offense, and he could be Dayball. Right. We've been we've been we're, we're obsessed with Brian Dayball and all these coordinators. We're obsessed with the, the Shanahan coaching tree and the Sean McVay coaching tree. And right. We're obsessed with we're obsessed with all that. We just got the one Andy Reid coaching tree guy available in Washington. And everybody's like, ah, no, it's just Andy Reid. It's just Andy yeah. Reid. And so I think that that's ridiculous. And so with the cost and all those factors, I just there that's that's going to be my highest own stack until the market adjusts. And if the market never adjusts, I'm just going to be all in on the the commanders. And I'm okay with that at these prices. Well, the cost is the main thing there, right? McLaurin's the highest, the most expensive of all the players. Everyone else is free. And Sam, I mean, talk about uncertainty if you want in the offense, but they're going to play Sam Howell. Sam Howell has to play very poorly in the offseason to not be the opening day starter for the the commanders. Right. Brissett's there to be a backup. He is not there to be the starter. Like correct. Like, like it is it is very telling. Like I, I don't know why people are even questioning this. Brissett did not come there to be the starter in that offense. He's the uh, fallback option, which is smart. It's like, yeah. did you think that were, were they just not gonna sign a backup quarterback? Like, of course they were. It's smart of them to bring Jacoby Brissett in because they can still win games. They have a good roster. That doesn't just because a team signs someone, people do this all the time. It's like they did it with Ritter. They signed Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke fucking sucks. He is horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. He's part of the reason why Jacoby Brissett is now in Washington. If Heineke was any good, they would have just kept him to go along with Hal, but he's terrible. Heineke signs in Atlanta and people are like, oh, watch out for Ritter. They got Heineke there now. It's like they're a football team. You have to have quarterbacks. Yeah. If you have to sign someone, they're not going to sign David. That. Yeah, yeah. The, the 49ers are just like signing everybody, right? Yeah. Because they, they want to have extra quarterbacks. You have to have backups. And so um, I'm, I'm just not worried about Jacoby. He, I, I would be worried about, like you said, we get to week eight if Howell's just terrible. But like if Howell's just terrible, you lost. So yeah, what? It's already you dead, know? right? So yeah. And he's the opposite of Aaron Rodgers, where I said that I'm only putting Aaron Rodgers on three quarterback teams. Sam Howell fits perfectly into every type of build you're doing because you can put him with the elite because he is so cheap. 
right? He can be the third quarterback in a three quarterback build. And hell, even when I've done a three quarterback build, I did it the other night when I needed a third quarterback and the options were slim. I didn't have any other Washington players. I still took Howell because of the rushing upside. I'm like, yeah, I, unfortunately, it's an unstacked Howell, but like he's my third QB and I think he's the best available option. I would prefer him stacked, of course, but yeah. So if I prefer him stacked and his stacks are so cheap, then I'm going, I'm going to make an effort, maybe a little more concerted effort than I did the other night to make sure I'm stacking him. But I, I just think Howell is maybe the best, like, QB to grab in that very, very late window of the draft. And I, it might not even be particularly close. The only other guy I would throw in there that like, like maybe, and I still like how better is Pickett. Like, uh, like Pickett's the other guy that I'll take in that back end. And it's for a lot of the same reasons in terms of like, he is definitely going to be the opening day starter. He is definitely getting a leash. And I like some of his stacking options, particularly, I really like uh, Pickens in the range that he's going. So I like getting the Pickens picket stack, which I hate saying. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, let's... I know. It's awful. Whoever's it's running awful. the simulation needs to like step it up on the name thing. You got a little lazy on that one. And then if you try to throw in like Friar Muth, like you want to talk about mouthfuls of, <laughs> yeah. uh, of, a, of a stack, it's really impossible. Casey points out that they have a tough schedule by Vegas win totals, which is a, a, an easy plug to uh we put putting together a tool for strength of schedule so you'll obviously have every single week here which will be you know something cool to see you'll we'll be able to see you know obviously for the playoff weeks being the most important how uh you know strengths uh of matchup line up and it won't just be uh, like this right now is what Casey was talking about just by uh, like Vegas win totals, basically. So Washington has one of the tougher schedules by Vegas win totals, but that doesn't mean it's the, the worst for fantasy, right? If you're playing good offenses in shootouts, right? If you play the chiefs, that would look bad on this, but the chiefs are not really a bad team to play against for fantasy. Their defense is so, so, and it's going to be a high scoring game. And so we're going to try to factor in, all of that into uh, some strength of schedule stuff here for everybody culminated in, in the playoffs. And then you can obviously, if you want to be like, you know, for drafters, right. If you're trying to really get crazy in drafters, mixing and matching your, your teams that have good matchups all the way across the whole schedule can be, can be, I think advantageous. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hit a couple of comments uh, from, from the chat. Casey also mentions Logan Tom Logan Thomas still doing it. I'm not really I mean, if you really want to get crazy with a late round tight end, I would rather draft Cole Turner. Uh, there, there, he's a fifth round pick last year, but he's just a younger guy. Where, like, if I'm really gonna throw away a pick on a crappy tight end, at least let me take the young guy who, like, I don't know, maybe he could be good. Like, he probably sucks, but like, if Cole Turner takes the job and is actually good as the, the young guy, I would rather waste my bullet that way. But I'm not really doing it. Um, very much uh this is funny hacker says i hear that 30 year old tight end smash in the enemy offense which is technically technically true uh technically true i'm not sure logan thomas is travis kelsey but uh uh then some some questions from some folks brian asked thoughts on Pittman or or drake london which would be a uh, good interesting for some stacks because these are Interesting stacks, but uh, worrisome stacks, right, with the two quarterbacks and the run heaviness of both of these offenses. What do you think about uh, uh, Colts, Falcons, uh, through the lens of Pittman in London? Well, if you are interested in that Pittman, getting the Pittman stack right now with Richardson, you do it now. 
because Richardson is soon going to be priced out of a <laughs> zone that I'm comfortable drafting him around some of the names he's going around. The No matter what happens with Drake London, his quarterback is going to be cheap. So if you think it's going to be Ritter, his Ritter's not going to rise up like any to, to any tremendous level. If they do trade for Tannehill, which is like a big rumor out there, Tannehill is still going to remain relatively cheap. So it's not more, it's not about what I think of Pittman or London when I like both of them. I like London more. But if I'm doing this like in an absolute vacuum, it's Pittman right now to get the Richardson stack because maybe I'll draft it four or five times of EBM and then I won't touch it again because he goes to the sixth round, man. I'm not drafting Anthony Richardson, I'm just not <laughs> doing it. I've I've Stop. seen this I've seen this movie before, right? So, Have not you? in his rookie year, not in his rookie year. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've been in this movie before <laughs> uh, with Mr. Trey Lance. So uh, I will fully admit, as the summer goes on, that uh, I'm going to try to remain remain level headed about about Anthony Richardson on both sides. I'm not going to keep doing the 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 same bit I did with Trey Lance, but I'm also not going to. Um, you know, go. Cra- I'm not going to go crazy on on either end. What's uh, what's next? What's next up for you on a on another stack? We can both hit a couple more. All right. So on ones that when I'm getting locked out of these elite QBs, right, and I'm looking at my Trevor Lawrence's. I hate saying it, but the Amari Cooper Deshaun Watson stack. I like it a lot based on cost. You're getting Deshaun Watson at a really low price you're getting Amari Cooper in that same like level of wide receivers where you're dart throwing with Calvin Ridley and Drake London and Amari Cooper. And I don't mind taking the Amari Cooper Deshaun Watson stack right now. The ownership percentage is coming in at about 16% for those two. And I think it's just a, it's a nice fallback stack, right? Where, yep. cause I think Deshaun Watson can be your number one QB you're getting him at a like reduced cost for multiple reasons, mostly because he sucked last year. Like <laughs> he was not good. But there is, I do think there's room for improvement for him and the offense this year. So he might be a little undervalued at the moment. And he did seem to have a connection with Amari Cooper a bit last year. So that is another one that I I kind of like taking. And as you see on the screen, if you're looking, he is um I'm on underdog again. Bless He's it. way Sorry, down there man. on underdog. Way down there on underdog. Uh, way down on that's underdog. That's the five, five, five. Let me go to the ten dollar milli really quick, and go back to Watson. That's him and Joku. You will see this a lot. That's also. A, a, I'm glad that this came up. Mm-hmm. People will because they're they have fairly similar ADPs. Watson and Joku do. And if you miss on Amari, the next Brown is is Joku. And so people yeah. are, and you. You may need a tight end at that point too, and so they, they kind of line up really well. And so I'm I'm kind of trying to avoid that one. I actually have I actually did it in in a, in a draft not that long ago, and then I saw this. And again, similar to the Kirk thing, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You don't have to go out of your way to avoid Watson and Joku. But I wouldn't be just like smashing it in every draft, like oh haha, look at this, you know, th- look how perfect this lines up. It's like it lines up perfect. That probably means everybody else is is doing it too. But again, to this point. The Mari Cooper is clearly the wide receiver one in this offense, and he's the fifth highest owned uh, partner with with Deshaun Watson. So that feels pretty good to me. Yeah, and as you can see, to go to your point, 
uh, and Joku, DPJ, and Elijah Moore are kind of the oh shit, oh shit, oh shit button because <laughs> they, these are the people that didn't draft Amari Cooper or Amari Cooper is a one-off, which is totally fine. Amari Cooper is a fine one-off. But when you draft Deshaun Watson and then you feel like you have to stack because you, it, it is smart to, you're just oh shitting in Joku because you're like, oh, he is the next Brown to your point. And then it's like, oh shit, oh shit, I missed in Joku. Now I got to get DPJ or Elijah Moore. So the there are more oh shit stacks is what i'll call them than like better stacks because you're not lining up the amari deshaun watson and a lot of the times when i take amari i am eyeballing where where uh, deshaun watson's going like if i can I take him even with even with one of the elite qbs right because i'm definitely done if i have an elite qb with deshaun watson i mean oh, yeah. i'm done with a second no matter what but then I'm not worrying about the back end and I'm just filling in with skill position players. It is funny. You see kind of two different, like literally polar opposite things happen from a stacking perspective. And it is at the very beginning. So let me, uh, to compare, we see this, what this looks like, right? This is the, this is the, Oh shit. Uh, version (laughs) of stacking. This is like, I like that. This is the, Oh shit version of stacking strategy. And then you have Joe Burrow which is the opposite, which is right. I took Jamar Chase. I have to take Joe Burrow. And so you have the, it, there's almost no in between in terms of how the field attacks their stacks, right? When they get one of those guys, they're like, I gotta go, get, I gotta go get Burrow. Cause I took chase. So he becomes the highest owned stacking partner with him. And then you have the other one where like you take Amari Cooper, you're not like going out of your way to, you know, Amari Cooper just isn't that name where you're like, I gotta go get his quarterback too. Watson then becomes like, Okay, I, I I took Watson because he's the best available player. Now I'm scrambling to figure out how to get another Brown to stack him with. That's what you see across like almost every single one of these stacks. It is sometimes it's that alpha wide receiver that everybody just says, "Yep, gotta have the quarterback now." Sometimes it's, "Oh shit, <laughs> it's yeah. oh shit, I gotta get a stack." Right? You have the oh shits and you have the alphas. That's that's the only two yeah. different ways that people go about stacking. And so it's funny that we kind of saw uh, both of those. The Browns are definitely on the uh, on the oh shit side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I also like that you brought up the Browns because we do have a uh, within if you are a subscriber uh, on the website we have all of our different kind of picks related. We have, you know, core individual player picks. We have players that we're avoiding like Aaron Rodgers. Shocker made that list uh, and those different things. And we have a top stacks uh, tool as well. And so you go within there and just to give one of them away, the Browns are, ac- are actually one of them. And I personally am prioritizing the Amari version of that, which is funny because like. I don't really like like Amari that much. Like I wasn't yeah, neither do last I. year. Uh, but I think if you're gonna go about the Brown stack, and the Brown stack has a lot of upside in my opinion, I think Amari is the right, the best way to play it um, more frequently. It's not that you can't draft Elijah Moore. I like Elijah Moore too. I'm just saying if you want to play it, I want to look for Amari a little more than everybody else is. Yeah, I completely agree. I was not big on Amari last year. I don't want to be big on him this year, but I think he just sets up nicely. Uh, when you're getting that discounted QB stack. And I think he's also a fine one-off. So it's like, yeah. I don't love him, but I'll have 10 to 12% Amari this year, you know, Agreed. somewhere in that wheelhouse. Agreed. I also love those guys. Uh, this is one of my favorite things that people don't talk about as much. So I'm probably going to talk about it too much over the course of the summer. But it's as you're drafting, Amari is a great example of that. DK Metcalf is a great example of that. Um, Your Falcons are a great example of that. McLaurin, who we just talked about, is a great example. Keeping, maintaining your flexibility throughout the draft to set up those stacks, 
mm-hmm. especially if they're under owned, right? Amari is that if, if he's lesser owned as a stacking partner with Deshaun and I don't have a quarterback yet, and I know stacking is important when I'm breaking ties between Amari Cooper and DJ Moore, like obviously, you know, me, do I prefer DJ Moore or Amari Cooper? That's not even a goddamn Yeah, It's question. not even close. Yeah. But fields is gone. Fields mm-hmm. is gone before that point. So yep. I'm not, not every time because I want to get my DJ more too, but not, but like when I'm breaking those ties and I have my requisite number of, of DJ more teams that I, I want, I'm going to break it with a t- with a player that gives me flexibility to keep my stacks, right? Amari, McLaurin, Drake London. I don't, I hate Pittman, but Pitt will throw Pittman in that bucket. You know, all uh, the Bucks guys, I don't, I don't really want to draft Baker, but I'm, you know what I mean? Those guys, yeah. Seahawks guys, all that. I want to keep that flexibility open. Another guy who is, is my probably, well, this will be my final stack that we're going to throw out there or that I'm going to throw out there. And then as we close, we can see what some of the chat says. Um, we got to go to our lions, right? Got to go <laughs> yeah. to our, we got to go to our lions and Jared, Jared Goff. I, of course, same thing. Jared Goff, not someone I'm, I'm super excited about. You know, he's the point guard of the offense. I'm, I don't want to draft. I certainly don't want Jared Goff one-offs. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have naked Jared Goff, but I think that this Lions team is amazing uh, for fantasy. And it, you have like all these elite weapons and you have all varying price points. You have every position covered. Like you can, you can build so many lion stacks and they all have like tons of upside. Amon Ra is the lead and the highest owned guy. And he should be the highest owned guy here. But I, I don't think that this is like a uh, chase or uh, Jefferson or whatever situation with Amon Ra, because I, I think you can absolutely have, especially on underdog. This is DraftKings. Amonra's a little better on DraftKings, but he's not like like he's a really really good fantasy wide receiver. He's a wide receiver one air quotes, but he's like kind of the back end of that. You know what I mean? Like Amonra's never going to compete with Cup and Jefferson and Chase and all that. He's more of like a fallback option and kind of like a high floor option uh, at wide receiver. He does have upside, but he. Amon Ra's just never going to do what Chase did two years ago and what Mike Evans did last year. Like, it's just not in his bag, right? But you have all these other options from a Lions deck. I think Jameer Gibbs is actually one of my favorite on DraftKings, especially here, which is what we're looking mm-hmm. at. Gibbs as the lowest owned stacking partner with Jared Goff is kind of absurd to me. He, he's, I think we need to treat him almost like a wide receiver on DraftKings. And so he should be like, you would, you would absolutely stack Drew Brees with Alvin Kamara back in the day, right? Like, I'm not saying Jared Goff is that, but Jameer Gibbs is probably a better receiver than Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara is a really goddamn good receiver. I'm treating him basically as a wide receiver on DraftKings. And I think he's a great pick in the third round. And you're getting him as the lowest own option with your Lions. You have a late round tight end who is an awesome, like awesome prospect, particularly as a receiver. He's also from where I'm from. So no bias at all. Also <laughs> Jameson Williams, also Jameson Williams is from here too. So uh, uh, clearly the, uh, our lions is just the St. Louis lions. JMO is on DraftKings Also such a smash to me outside of the top 100. I know you're missing six weeks. I know there's uncertainty about him, but this is an elite, elite wide receiver prospect with the profile we want for best ball, dude. You want to talk about a spike week player that is freaking Jamison Williams. He's going to step right into an awesome role and you get 20 picks on DraftKings. I understand mm-hmm. if you're a little worried on underdog because it does get thin, right? Like if you only take seven wide receivers and one of them is Jamison Williams, 
it does it, it does get a little tough for six weeks. You get 20 picks on DraftKings. He goes outside the top 100. You can stack Jared Goff in a million different ways. And I like all these guys, except Marvin Jones. I would actually add, take out Marvin Jones from this list and put Josh Reynolds on this list. If I were taking another wide receiver from the Lions, I would take Josh Reynolds. Um, but I just think like, you can do so much with the Lions, and they're like all good picks at ADP. Yeah, and specifically for DK, like you said, with Jameer Gibbs, because I think I'm already writing him off on underdog, just where he's starting to go over there. But I'm still smashing him on DK. He's becoming one of those DK only players, whereas like there are some also underdog only players. But it's funny because we still have some of these players inverted, right? Like you still have Derrick Henry going second round on DK and falling third, fourth round on underdog. (laughs) And just like this doesn't this doesn't equate properly, like it does not compute. So I, I do like this. Goff does like to check down. You can get these stacks however you want to get them. I think the other difference to, you know, that I would bring up is when people draft Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, they're making it a point to draft Joe Burrow, and that's that happens. Whereas when you draft a Monra St. Brown, I don't think anyone's ever drafted a Monra St. Brown and said, I have to get Jared Goff. You know it's there in your head, right? That's a safety net. Like, stack for you later in the draft and you can and you can start to acquire and set that stack up but with the other two it it gets it gets into people's head if you watch the sunday morning sickos draft this past week one of the guys in the draft in order to get the t higgins uh joe burrow stack for some reason took burrow at the end of the second round and then took t higgins on like he he had like one of the last picks of the second round but it wasn't the last pick and he took burrow first to take t higgins and it's just like just take t higgins like that's the one that's not going to get there if any of them don't get there right you can get burrow in the third but they decided they wanted burrow over higgins and my point being is people are setting this up because that's what they want they want to make sure they get this this stack and that's why you saw that ownership low because burrow's going a little higher on dk but uh yeah, that's the difference is you can get a Monroe St. Brown, St. Brown and set that stack up with it just being in the back of your mind as opposed to having to be a forefront thought. A hundred percent. And those are that's what you, there's a little bit of a trend here that you see, uh, particularly with me, the Lions, the commanders, those kinds of teams um, mm-hmm. that uh, I kind of lean towards that. But I also just think there's so many outs to the Lions, especially the defense is not still not going to be good. They're still going to play in that dome. They're still going to play in a, a fun division for scoring, right? And they just have all, all these weapons. And I think, again, especially on DraftKings, treating Gibbs like a wide receiver is something that our opponents are not doing, and that's really what he is. And envision the scenario where the Lions are in these shootouts, maybe they fall behind, and you're getting, you know, Swift did this at times too, right? He's just out there catching eight nine, 10 passes, checkdowns from Jared Goff because that's all Goff does. And they just come roaring back and he's basically just a wide receiver. Then maybe you attach on Jamison Williams, Jame, right? Gibbs catches a bunch of these checkdowns. Jamo catches long bomb. You're getting back and forth scoring. It's just like such a fun stack for best ball, especially um, that I absolutely love it. Definitely 
Definitely would not do this, Uncle Andy, <laughs> personally. Uh, when everyone is, is zigging, I try to zag. No stacks. I think that there are lots of ways you can stack that is zagging. Uh, you you don't you don't need to avoid the stacks to to zag. Although I definitely appreciate your sentiment. Um, do you got any other stacks you want to hit before we uh, hop out of here? No, my my closing thoughts on on the stacks would be the other thing I'm hearing quite a bit of is people talking about fading the elite quarterbacks, and I just think a complete fade of the. No, I'm not saying you have to go overweight on them if you don't want to. But a complete fade just seems like really, really silly to me. Like if I just spitballed out to you, I'm like and said, Eric, what what offenses do you want in week 17? What are you gonna say? Chiefs, Chiefs, Eagles. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, so why are we not going to stack these teams? You know what I mean? Like it just it just mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make sense to me, especially when that that second round is like there's a lot of players that I like in that range, but Going back to taking different combinations, which is going to be a show we do at some point, we just talked about how that 11-12 spot is like hot garbage, right? And I think if you watched one of our streams the other day, I was doing this in the puppy just to just to try some stuff out. I took Mahomes in the first round at, at a late first round spot. You know why? Because now I can take Mahomes with Tony Pollard. How many people are going to have the Mahomes-Tony Pollard combination right now? Right. Like none, basically, because no one's doing it because they're they're scared of the ADP stuff. So I, I think you can still take elite quarterbacks in certain ways, get unique, stack them up and just be okay with it. Like, I, I just don't understand the complete fate of the elite QBs. It just doesn't make sense to me. And if you're curious specifically about that combination of, of players, it doesn't even register on the projected ownership, the Mahomes Pollard. So of course there almost every combination has at least something but when it's so low that it's yeah. you know it's such a tiny amount of teams it doesn't even register on the ownership projections i will just hit kind of like a from an honorable mention perspective uh casey brings up the saints i actually agree mm-hmm. uh again uh, the saints are like a, a shittier version of the lions to me where it's like i don't really like that quarterback but i like how everything comes together on that stack and i like basically all the skill players except Michael, except Michael Thomas. Um, I'm not personally drafting Michael Thomas, but I love Olave. Uh, I love Rashid Shahid. I think he's actually, there's not a lot of late round wide receivers with juice and he's one of them. So he's a priority for me. If you need a later round wide receiver, Adam Troutman is now gone to Denver. So that opens up Juwan Johnson to be a pretty sexy, like mid late ish tight end. He's, he's come up a little bit, you know, so he's not like what I would call a late round tight end, but he's not early either. He goes after the Friar Mutes and Schultz's and, and those guys of the world. So he still is at a very reasonable cost. You can include Kamara in a saint stack. If you, if you want to, uh, you can include Kendra in a saint stack. If you want to, there's just a lot of good, a lot of good options on the Saints. You really want to get crazy. You need an 18th or 20th round wide receiver. They picked up A.T. Perry, uh, rookie in the sixth round, I think it was. You know, so you're looking for dart throws. You just need something crazy at the end. I, I, I like the Saints as well. Also a dome. Also, their defense continues to get worse because they, they, they've been the team mortgaging the future for years and years and years, and they can't afford to pay anybody anymore. So um, I agree. They're, I, I, the they're a poor man too. Vikings. Like they are the poor yeah. man's Minnesota Vikings, right? They are, yep. they are the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. They're the same team, just the Saints are a little bit cheaper, so they're a little bit easier to stack in general. 100%. So um, that'll wrap 
the stacks. This will not be the last time we talk about we talk about stacks. No. I assure you that. What we want to do is come back, uh, kind of multiple times throughout the off season. Right, things are going to change. ADP is going to change. We're going to get different tournaments. Right, uh, what you draft in the puppy might be a little different than what we're talking about in BBM in August. We're going to always stay on top of the stacks. Schedule uh, comes out on Thursday. Oh yeah, oh yeah, baby. Now, find you some people who who <laughs> get more excited about the NFL schedule at least than a bunch of sickos uh, here, just like. John Jumping at the bit for Thursday night to draft best best ball teams. I don't want to get too deep into the schedule, but do you have a week 17 matchup that you think is going to happen? Like that you're envisioning? Because I I threw one on Twitter the other night. Ooh, no, I don't have. Say yours and I'm going to come up with one. So I think that we're going to get the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Chargers on Monday night football to wrap up the best ball season. Oh, holy shit. That would be, that would be insane. That I think that's going to be the Monday night game. I think that's going to be, so I think that is going to be, I think everyone's going to be talking about that game. Okay. Um, that is super interesting. I'm going to go, and I don't think this is what people would say. I think we will get Bengals Browns. Little Burrow versus Deshaun Watson. I think both of that we we've actually kind of talked about both of those teams, not necessarily the Bengals as a stack that we're targeting, but uh, I think that would be. We know what what the Bengals can do on offense, and if the if was Watson and the Browns can kind of actually take a leap, if Watson can get closer to old Watson, mm-hmm. that 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 will be pretty because you could get you may not necessarily you know get Burrow on that team or something, but like Chase. Amari Watson, right? You want to throw in Joku on there. You want to throw Mixon on there. You want to throw Boyd on there. Um, Irv Smith, right? Uh, I think that's like a similar version to a lot of these crazy high upside. Uh, uh, st- the one I want to see, undoubtedly Lions Vikings. Undoubtedly Lions Vikings. Give me Lions Vikings. Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, whoever the hell ends up playing running back for the Vikings, right? uh addison and then we just talked about the lions man like oh my god just load me up baby like just give me all vikings and lions if that happens i think i just think they're gonna go for like a really marquee game with a marquee complete marquee team uh because there is no week 18 monday night football right they they wrap that up usually on week 17 they're gonna want to go out with a bang they try to do bills Bengals last year (laughs) which you know, it was what what happened. What happened? But that's a big marquee matchup. I wouldn't be shocked if they do it as a divisional game with these two because they lit it up on prime time last year. So True. they might just be like, just run it back and put it on the last Monday Night Football game. And Eagles Cowboys. Eagles Cowboys would make sense through that lens to kind of a similar yep. one on the NFC side. Yep. I do think it's going to be divisional. I just have like a gut feeling it's going to be divisional. So I think that's where we're going to go. And if we're looking at the Super Bowl champ, we're looking at their best divisional opponent for TV purposes is the Chargers. It just feels like that's got to be the, the Monday night game. What if it's Bill's Patriots? I just can't imagine them wanting to do that. But the Patriots still got that brand recognition. People still I think, think Belichick. And... Yeah, but I think they'd rather put Bill's Dolphins on there to... They to should get the Waddle. Stuff. You know, we need we need big best ball. Where's like the <laughs> the 
underdogs like advertising their, you know, uh, they're a multi-billion dollar company now. They're just crushing it and dominating the entire fantasy football space. They're advertising on like Monday night football and stuff. Somebody get them to get Roger on the phone so that we can get, you know, one of these games we really want for Monday night football week 17. Yeah, I mean, it's got to happen. So hopefully ESPN does some uh, politicking for a really good game on that Monday night. A hundred percent. So upcoming content, uh, we got the first of a draft review series uh, coming out that I think everybody will will enjoy. We got strategy videos coming out this week. We're back to uh, or we're kind of re kicking off. We kicked off the new schedule last week, but with all these contests dropping, we uh, had to uh, push back a, the start of a couple of different things that we're we're going to be dropping this week. So you're going to see all that. You're, you're probably going to get sick of us, but guess what? You're going to have to deal with it. Tons and tons of strategy content, some fun community content. And then tomorrow and I, Rob and I will be tomorrow night. Rob and I will be back with uh, the spike week sickos Tuesday, our, our kind of headliner show. If you will, we're going to dive into some really nerdy sicko stuff on Tuesday nights. Uh, if you like projected ownership, if you like, ownership combinations and some galaxy brain best ball thoughts that's our tuesday night show for you so tomorrow we, night time 7 p.m eastern just the just the cut in me and you were messaging about the top three pick combinations like independently of a show <laughs> earlier it's how much of a sicko as we are so maybe we talk about that a little bit tomorrow absolutely so uh We'll be at, we're out of here. Enjoy, enjoy uh, your, your Monday evening. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Enjoy. Uh, uh, I'm Rob. I'm sweating uh, some NBA playoff best ball and we need the Warriors. We, we, the Warriors got to figure it out. We need the Warriors tonight. Anybody else that's sweating NBA playoff best ball should be a fun night of basketball. My team's Warriors Celtics. So I need, yep. uh... I, I think that's pretty popular, but like I would have like a, a pretty monster squad if that, uh, if that gets there. Yeah, I'd have a pretty good one. Although, of all people, Mike Zakarian's in front of me right now. Like, dude's a friend of mine, starts an NBA thing, and he's from the next town over. And now I have to <laughs> deal with him in a best ball draft where he's got a he's got a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown combo. Like, what is going on in the world? So that's why you draft early, folks, because you can get that kind of combination. A hundred percent. All right, guys, we're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow night. Get in the Discord, all that fun stuff. Later. Peace. Oh, 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 oh! There is behind the scenes. We almost hit end broadcast. We almost hit end, we almost, we almost, we almost hit end broadcast. I mean, you wouldn't have got to see Rob's pretty, pretty mug here for for the outro. All right, guys, see you tomorrow. <laughs>